went surfing on the way down to the Venice Pier. I saw, riding his bike, I saw who? Bill Murray. No. Try again. Get two more. Matthew McConaughey. No. Come on. Don't uh, squander this. I mean, I didn't think I was squandering it. Those seem like really good guests. <laughs> who wouldn't want to see either of those two riding Is that about a bicycle? What, what we want. It's what we deserve. It's the celebrity sighting you deserve. The one I deserve. I mean, that feels like Nick Nolte or something. Whew. Closer. Oh, he's a sporting figure. No, well, it's like oh, well, LeBron he... James. You saw no, LeBron James. Wrong. Oh, no. Um, he, he famously cycles in Los Angeles. Uh, this is okay. He here, the, it, it, that's a, a good guess. Let me just say that whatever the truth is, LeBron James it, is the right answer. I, it may not be the true answer, but it's the right answer. No, that's the answer you want, not the one you deserve. Right, okay, just, here, here, I'll give you a big hint. It feels like you need a big hint. Let's just say <laughs> sure <does>. that. Let's <laughs> just say that while I I saw him. Briefly riding his bike down Main Street in Santa Monica. Let's just say he'll be back. So somebody who returns often. Let's just say maybe I'll say it in a slightly lower register. Let's just say here, Brandon. Brandon, I'll tell you he'll be back. He'll be back. So he's a regular in the area, or he's obsessive compulsive, and he rides the same. Well, no, no. Let's just okay. So let's say I'm him, and you're you. So I would tell you. I what I'd say to you is, I'll be back. So you're telling me that he's someone who knows me well enough to know. That if he says he'll be back, I know I should wait for him. Let's just say he was in this place. Would he say when he would be back? No, just that he would be back. And let's just say this guy was fighting AI supercomputers before it was cool. Okay, Matthew Broderick and no. the movie is War Games. <laughs> no, uh, let's yeah. just say that he uh, he really likes to lift weights. And he was actually riding his bike back from Gold's Gym where he's famously a member. That still could be Matthew Broderick. Wow. Well-known gym rat. Wow. Matthew Broderick. So, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, dude. I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger riding a bike. Who's that? Arnold. <laughs> 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 Journos, a stream of consciousness news podcast with Stephen Jackson and Brandon R. Reynolds. Stephen, I know that you are a royalist. You mm. make no bones about the fact that you believe that royal bloodlines are a real thing and should be honored and respected. <laughs> you won't shut up about it. I told you that in confidence. Well, it's out here. In it's the name of transparency, it's important yes. to articulate the fact that whether it's Swedish or, you know, I don't know what other royals there are. What, still? There's like, uh, would like the Sultan of Brunei be a yeah. royal? Okay. Yeah, probably. I guess there that's what I was thinking. You know, once you go back far enough, you sort of lose sight of, like, oh, yeah, this was just the guy that killed the right people at the right time. Yeah. And then, and then built a house with big walls. I truly could kind of care less, I guess, about the royals, sort of. I mean, what if there was just, like, a, you could be, like, the king of Oklahoma or California? Oh, yeah, I think Like, each cool. state had mm-hmm. a royal family. Yeah. But they yeah, were, like, nice. In San Antonio, where I grew up, there mm-hmm. is fiesta every year, which is extension of a Catholic tradition. You know, like everybody has big parties before Lent, yeah. like Carnival, uh, oh. Mardi Gras. There's parades and stuff like that. But they have a number of figurehead kings and queens that get elected for different things. And one of them is called El Rey Feo, the ugly king. Somebody wow. gets elected the ugly king. And I'm never quite sure if they are electing him on the basis of ugliness. That would seem fine to me. 
or if, hey, it's, or if it's a moral ugliness. Me, yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about being the homecoming king and queen of your high school, at least at my high school. So if you were the homecoming king, apparently, like, you get a call from the Alumni Association like 10 years later, and they're like, okay, I hope you remember that it is your responsibility to throw <laughs> the, the, the reunion. Like every 10 years and like the Santa Monica High School Alumni Association is extremely organized and strong. And so like you you think it's nothing and then 10 years later you have to like throw this party. That's the most humble braggy way of saying that you were homecoming (laughs) king, by the way. I oh no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. You know what? Maybe I, I could have been within the royal family of the millennial Santa Monica High School grads, but I, in fact, decided to sort of move away from that royal life. I didn't want okay. it anymore. I said, I just want to walk away from this all with my wife named Meghan Markle. And when you left this homecoming event, were you pursued by men with cameras at high speed? Oh, yeah. They're everywhere. That's part of the reason why I wanted to leave that life. No, uh, of course, folks, what we're talking about is a recent uh, dust up between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and the press corps known as the paparazzi. Stephen, what had happened was, if you want my opinion, was the royals were at a party in New York. They were at a gala at the Ziegfeld Ballroom. Meghan Markle was there. She was going to be honored at the Ms. Foundation Women of Vision Awards. She leaves. Prince Harry shows up, not expected. And there's a whole tumult. They duck and dodge all the paparazzi that are outside. They go through a rent-a-car service. It's next door to the ballroom. Mm-hmm. One thing leads to another. They get in a car. They take off. They go to a police station. They get in a cab. And apparently this whole thing is like a two-hour, some kind of chase. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. And at the end of it, the first thing we, the public, hear about it is that Harry and Meghan's PR person says that they were involved in a near-catastrophic near catastrophic car, car chase. ensued, adding highly aggressive paparazzi pursued the couple and Meghan's mother for over two hours all over Manhattan, resulting in multiple near collisions with other drivers, pedestrians, and two NYPD officers. Mayor Eric Adams called the media irresponsible. It would be horrific to lose an innocent bystander during a chase like this and something to have happened uh, to them as well. But the mayor cast doubt on some of the details. I would find it hard to believe that there was a two-hour high-speed chase. That was the quote that started this whole rigmarole off, right? Like near-catastrophic car chase. What does near-catastrophic mean? It means it could have been but wasn't a catastrophe. So immediately people start wondering a couple of things. One, what happened? Was there actually an accident? Was there anyone hurt? Mm -hmm. And then two, and of course, raises the associations that, frankly, everybody involved wanted to be raised, associations with the death of Princess Di in 1997, who was involved in an actually catastrophic car chase, Yeah, being chased by paparazzi. So the resonance here of, oh my God, is history repeating itself, is that's, that's catnip to the news media, Stephen. It is. They love it. The first thing that I thought about was, is this good press or bad press for Harry and Meghan? Yeah. What do I think? I think that you have two people who had uh, their destiny laid out for them when Harry was connected to the royal family. The royals have their importance baked into their very existence. They have this royal bloodline. 
they are connected to the identity of the nation state yeah. in England. And anything they do is important. As long as they comport themselves well, then it's like, oh, well, look how they are such good representatives of our country. And they show up for various events and they wear jewels that have been pilfered from somewhere and furs that have been pilfered from somewhere else or whatever they do. Harry and Meghan, they don't like the treatment that they're getting from the family and from presumably the public. So they bail on all that. They come to the United States, set up shop. And now are sort of looking for a justification for their existence. What are they? Well, they're kind of just celebrities. They're just yeah. sort of famous people. They're podcast producers, right? Yeah, she produces a podcast. <laughs> She's leaning into sort of female empowerment, uh, interviewing strong ladies, doing strong lady stuff. And he's, you know, I think getting into like going to be a producer of things. You know, they're, the place you go when you are important but have nowhere to point that is you go straight to Hollywood and yeah. go, I don't know. That's why stories like this come out and it immediately makes you question, once again, why are we paying so much attention to these people? Are they doing something? Are they worth all of this spilled ink? And, you know, you find out what I think is so funny is that the American press is as obsessed with the royals as the English press. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly when you're talking about Royals, you can't help but ascribe a sort of old fairy tale kind of story structure to it, you know, like the grim fairy tale where a royal family is afflicted by, you know, there are these uh, magic beavers and they continue to assail this family and they chew up their house. And then the young prince flees to another land altogether. And then Mm -hmm. one day he wakes up and there's magic beavers. (laughs) <laughs> no one at the wood, Stephen. No one at the wood. This is not the best of the grim fairy tales, but it is. No, it's, no, it's it, a deep cut. It's, but also, like maybe it was kind of a bit of a nothing burger too. Okay, so you got Julian Phillips, who is the NYPD deputy commissioner for public information. He said, "Quote: This is from Axios. There were numerous photographers that made their transport challenging. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex." arrived at their destination, and there were no reported collisions, summonses, injuries, or arrests in regard. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like, nothing happened. Eric Adams said it was reckless and irresponsible during a press conference. It just seems, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. The story has this immediate energy, and then the energy that draws the story to continue to evolve is the way the story itself falls apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, further investigation revealed that the royals may have embellished the case. Well, that's good, too, because then you can have the the delicious feeling of, oh, these guys, these royals, look how they're screwing us. Look how they're trying to make their case so much worse. And in that way, I think it's good press for them. They matter. Yeah, there's a little bit of theater to it, mm-hmm. which, again, makes for dramatic news, and yeah. it reinforces this idea that, these are important people doing important things. Otherwise, why would they be being chased? If they aren't important, Stephen, why mm-hmm. are they being chased? You lose sight of the bigger question of whether they're doing something really significant in in favor of just the optics of, I don't know, you don't chase unimportant people, you chase important people. Yeah. But, you know, Stephen, to go back to your earlier point about whether we have royals, I think mm-hmm. the answer is, aside from celebrities, no. But... We do have these important kinds of figures that function as symbols of our country, right? Mm. They function as, as as exponents of 
if not excellence, then whatever the opposite of excellence is. And by that, I mean none other than a personage I like to call Florida Man. Woo! King of the internet. King of the internet. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there's no figure more important in the (laughs) life of internet royalty than Florida Man, a mythological figure that uh, continues to get into hijinks and scrapes and is such an important meme to us that I assume everyone around the world presumably knows, like Florida Man means his particular mm-hmm. species of bozo that gets into trouble and it's often involving alcohol and because it's Florida it's almost always involving alligators and the police right and you know hijinks ensue every time this guy shows up it's important Stephen, to make clear that there's not any one single Florida man Florida mm-hmm. man is a state of mind yes and even if it's not in Florida it always sort of harkens back to it and every now and again another state will be like well, what about Ohio man or what mm-hmm. about Texas man or whatever uh, but it's always uh, it's always sort of the spirit of Florida man you know this yeah person who lives kind of at the margins of society in the same way that Florida is at the margins of the continental United States it's practically overrun with nature it's always sort of being reclaimed by <laughs> you know snakes somebody yeah it's always being reclaimed by invasive pythons or mangrove swamps or whatever it is and that sense of primeval wildness somehow translating into this kind of class argument about people who live in trailer parks and do crazy stuff. Yeah. That, uh, that's the kind of magic alchemy behind Florida Man. And also the alchemy of the name itself. Of course, the word Florida Man comes from a kind of classic headline convention. When you say area man walks into store, robs the joint, right? It's the language of a newspaper headline. Which in turn is the language that comes directly from police reports Yep, where historically these stories emanate. That's why it's usually connected to not just crimes, but often stupid crimes that usually end up turning out very poorly for Florida man, but not necessarily tragic. Although every now and again someone dies or gets their leg Mm -hmm. bitten off by an alligator or something. And in that way, it really is similar to mythology, right? In the sense that like... It's a trickster figure. It's this Mm -hmm. guy who never learns his lesson. He keeps getting into trouble. And the process of him getting into trouble then reveals something about, in this case, American life. Turned to an amazing rescue, and it was all caught on camera. A Florida man jumped into the water to save his puppy from the jaws of an alligator. Dog is safe and sound this morning. Some of these old school Florida man tweets are great. You know, Florida man suspected of using private plane to draw giant radar penis. Florida man breaks into jail to hang out with friends. Uh, Florida man apparently panting anti-Hillary messages on Tampa Bay crabs. Let people know the dangers of Hillary Clinton by writing it on crabs that people would fish out of the sea and, you know, right message at the right time. That's that's an old... Um, that's just good advertising. That's just good advertising. Uh, slice of pizza convinced Florida man to end police standoff. Florida woman embezzles $60,000 from new job while on probation for embezzling from old jobs. So sometimes Florida man's woman. Mm-hmm. Florida men, one dressed in bull onesie, attempt to burn down house with ragu sauce. A lot happening there. Yeah, it's because you have two Florida men, so each mm. one brings some of their own absurdity to the Flo- Florida to the man mission. says he danced on patrol car in order to escape vampires. 
Florida man arrested after calling 911 for being refused entry to a strip club with his kitten. Mm. Call the police. And this happens often, I have found, in the annals of Florida man lore. There is often some Florida man who gets himself into a scrape and then calls the police to get him out of the scrape, which then in turn ends up with the police arresting him for public drunkenness or for wasting everybody's time or whatever it is. The truth is that people have been ragging on Florida forever, particularly the media. Back in 1883, a New York newspaper made a joke in an article that read, a Florida man has an alligator farm should instead read, a farm of alligators has a Florida man. Now that gets to the real question, Stephen, which is, is Florida really crazier than the rest of the country? Or is it just that we are hearing more stories about it? Mm. And in this way, it actually brings us back around to what we were saying about the royals, right? Like, it just so happens that they get into these scrapes with the media because they are public figures. We want to know what's going on Mm -hmm. with them. We invade their lives. So there's always a question of this interest in narrative and the availability of the raw materials of narrative, right? In the case of the royals, like, well, they are standing outside of a place in nice clothes And that is enough, at least for some photographs for celebrity magazines. And then when they run away, it suddenly becomes a story more or less interesting. In the case of Florida Man, the explanation has always been the reason that we have so many more crazy stories about people in Florida doing stuff is because of their transparency laws, because of the way they have framed what's called sunshine laws, which are these laws that were established uh, back in the mid-70s to create greater openness and transparency into government action, into government records and those sorts of things. The Freedom of Information Act is related to this. Mm -hmm. And every state has its own sunshine laws. There's a kind of nice poetry to the fact that Florida has the most open, open records in this case, and it's a sunshine state, and it's got these sunshine laws. But the important thing here, Stephen, is that Part of the openness of the Florida Sunshine Laws is that they will make available arrest records basically immediately. As soon as you get arrested, that stuff is going to be available somewhere. Yeah. So anybody who wants to see that stuff can do it. And that usually means, you know, these stories uh, get into the press as fun, wacky headlines of people doing fun, wacky stuff. So there's more reporting on it because, the, as you said, the raw material is made more readily available. And I think that's something to be aware of whenever we read the news, too, right? Is that there is always this backstory to how the story gets into the story. Oh, man, that is quite the earful. But it's true, right? How press release driven so much throwaway headline news is like a press release is created and the reporters want to cover things in the public interest like a lot of stories are just the regurgitation of press releases in which the narrative is controlled by the person who the story is about yeah could be the royals yeah and their press agent said it's a near catastrophic near catastrophic chase. exactly headlines all over the world or yeah. in the case of Man gets arrested for trying to bring Kitten into strip club. Yeah. Well, guess what, Stephen? The Charlotte County Sheriff's Office put that news out as a press release, and then everybody picked it up and ran with it. Exactly. And in fact, a lot of these cases are of the police departments themselves putting out press releases where they say, Mm -hmm. hey, here's this wacky thing, knowing that it's going to take off and run, and it draws attention to it. Although, I have to put this caveat in here. When 
we were researching this story and we were looking at all these examples of Florida man. Again, the idea has always been like so much of this is just these public records that then cub reporters trolling for a story will find and, and whatever. And that's true a lot of the time, right? It's either that somebody has found something on, you know, the sheriff's department's website or it came out in a press release. But, you know, honestly, in the later days of the internet, the Florida man mythos feeds on itself. So you have people who do crazy stuff and it becomes public because they'll put it on Instagram or something. So Mm -hmm. while we're going to focus on the idea of the sunshine laws and this question of transparency, it's important to understand that these are not always cases where somebody's done something crazy, they get arrested, and then that's what makes Florida man the way it is. I mean, I think it is mostly that way, but there's a lot of other cases where people are just doing crazy stuff, putting it online, and then it becomes added to the greater Florida man mythos. In other words, he's he's not always getting arrested for his hijinks. No. And also, it feels like the police are making these records public, too, as sort of this act of public shaming, right? They're kind of using it to exert their authority. I feel like that's part of it, too, in terms of the police department's complicit role in, you know, taking these public records and amplifying them. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to get into that because that's a really important case of this being sort of a double-edged sword. And it all started, Stephen, in 1976, right after Watergate, America had mm-hmm. lost its faith in the trustworthiness of its government. So 1976, the Government and Sunshine Act, also known as the Sunshine Act, created these federal sunshine laws, which was, again, to promote accountability in the federal government, transparency, access to files, the ability to ask your government to show you evidence of this, that, and the other, and then they would send it to you. And then all these states follow suit with their own sunshine laws, And, you know, across the board, there's a spectrum of openness. California's got very open records. Florida's got open records. You know, and this all is sort of shifting. There's another variable, which is on paper, the records may be very open, but the actual record keepers, the people who work for the government, may slow roll the release of records when you ask for them, either because they're understaffed or because they're inefficient or because they don't want to or whatever. And so... That's a whole other side of things. But let's just say for now that there's all these laws on the books that are designed to keep things open to the public. And again, Florida has these really open laws that include people getting arrested for DUIs. And then the next day, that mugshot is available on some sheriff department website. And it's masquerading as news. It's weird. It's news, technically, right? Or at least how would you define news? I mean, I don't know. Is that news? Well, that's the question, right? What makes it newsworthy? This is always the, again, to go back to the idea of two people leaving a party in New York and then Mm -hmm. driving to their friend's house uptown, your knee-jerk response can be, well, of course it's news, they're royals. But then you say, well, does it make us better people Mm -hmm. to have this news dropped into our laps? And of course, not all news needs to be that way. Uh, you know, there can be a lot of crap out there that's just fun to read and, you know, fun, stupid news. Yeah. Um, but this, the question of sunshine laws and how they affect regular people and not so regular people is really, that's this fundamental question of like, what is news for? And it, and it yeah. really comes down to these ways in which people who were having their worst day and who may not have a lot of resources, their transgressions are then sort of made public in a yeah. way that 
maybe doesn't help them that much. Most certainly. And, you know, underneath this idea that all of this information is readily available is the fact that if you play it right, it's profitable. You know, it's content. What do you do mm -hmm. with content? You print it on some newsprint and you can make money off of it. People want to read it. They want to pay for it. And this created this cottage industry of what were called mugshot tabloids, which were newspapers, which would just run mugshots of people who had been arrested recently. And I remember... As you know, I lived in the South, and I go into a convenience store in some town somewhere, and sitting right next to the register there would be this tabloid, and it'd just be a bunch of bleary-eyed people staring out at me, and it'd be like <laughs> the latest mugshots for the week. And they'd sell them for a dollar, and people would buy them, and then yeah. they'd leaf through them, look through the photos, and there'd be names on them and stuff like that. And these things sold really well. But some of the names of these mugshot tabloids are just bonkers. Crime Times, Behind the Bars, mm -hmm. The Slammer, The Joint, mm -hmm. Just Busted, and Mugshot Mania. And going back to the Royals or the ex-Royals or whatever, the Harry and Meghan, there's a whole industry of people taking pictures of them just doing day-to-day bullshit too. So it's all kind of this spectrum of value of this content. That it, with the paparazzi and all that kind of stuff, they're going to great lengths to get these pictures. But then down in Florida, it, in an attempt to make things transparent and free and open to the press, they actually are feeding this machine that is quite detrimental to certain members of the public. Yeah. And, you know, the question then becomes, who benefits? Well, you have these publishers who make some money doing this. You have the police department that maybe this reiterates their importance because, hey, they busted this guy who was peeing behind a 7-Eleven or whatever it was. <laughs> the idea that law and order is being maintained uh, is a good narrative for them to put yeah. forth. But, of course, the uh, gorilla in the room is these are a lot of people who are being affected by it. And it's important to point out that, again, in Florida, these are not people who have been convicted of crimes. These are just people who have been arrested for crimes. Yeah. So that doesn't even mean that they necessarily committed the crime. It just means that the police hauled them in for something, rightly or wrongly, took their picture, then the picture showed up on a website and may have stayed up there. And there are a lot of stories out there that explore the consequences for these people who have these mugshots living on the internet or in these tabloids. So obviously showing up on a website or in one of these tabloids has long-term effects. Story after story goes and finds people who have been affected by this. People who say, well, I applied for this job and someone went online, they found this mugshot of me, and I'm convinced that that has screwed up my life, that has kept me from having jobs or mm -hmm. relationships or whatever it is. It's these long-term effects. Again, often for stuff that they were accused of and maybe the charges were dropped. It was yeah. stuff that was just, they were wrongly accused of something, but it's still up there. And so- yeah, they're being judged uh, in the court of public opinion. Being judged in the court of public opinion with a bit of an alley-oop from the criminal justice system that was <laughs> eager to arrest them and put their faces online. In that, in that case, the criminal justice system is the Scotty Pippen of the destruction of civil liberties. Yeah, and a yeah. very adorable image for <laughs> such a terrifying process. So you have the tabloids. They're publishing these things and they're making money that way. You can say, well, is that fulfilling a public need, a public interest? Is there some kind of positive aspect of that? And you can say, well, yeah, maybe if you want to know kind of what's going on. And that's certainly debatable. But there's another side of this, which is much more insidious, and that is these websites that function just like the mugshot tabloids. They put your picture up, and then when you go to the site, if you want them to take your picture down, then there's a link you click, and it'll take you to another site that charges you 
to have these photos removed. And it seems like it's a separate site that's like, we're going to flush your bad news from the internet. And there's one called mugshots.com, which is still out there. And the way they worked was you would go there and then you would click a link and it would say, for $399, we can pull these pictures off for you. And it's essentially an extortion racket. It's like the role that the law is playing in this extortion racket is is pretty ironic too. The law itself. Yeah, it's a way of weaponizing this very well-intentioned law that ends up hurting people who don't have means. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a way of making the system work for bad actors. Could they have seen this coming? Not necessarily, but here it is. And so in the case of mugshots.com, in 2018, the California Attorney General Javier Becerra, who's now the Secretary of Health and Human Services under Biden, he filed charges against the alleged owners of mugshots.com because there were all of these Californians that had been caught up in it that it had to pay to have these taken down. And then, you know, I looked up what happened after that. It seems like the case is sort of itself hard to find any transparency on. I think in 2021, there was uh, some court filings. There were like 51 charges against these four guys who were running the site. And then maybe there's another court date coming up. Mugshots.com still exists. And if you look at it, it's like there's going to be some random mugshot from somebody who got arrested for something. Yeah. And a big disclaimer that says, we don't charge to remove stuff. If you feel that your picture should be expunged and you haven't been convicted of a crime, blah, 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 send us proof of that and we'll take it down or whatever it is. Yeah. So I have no idea if the owners of the site are still benefiting from this in any sort of way. But yeah, I mean, it, it's fraught. As long as yeah. there's sunshine laws, this is going to be a thing. So that's private individuals benefiting from these sunshine laws. But then the state itself will use these laws as springboards to kind of screw people over. The Louisiana House just approved a bill to make juvenile criminal records public, which is controversial enough, but is even more controversial because it applies to Louisiana's majority black parishes. So the critique is, oh, this is focusing on young men of color and is Mm -hmm. totally unfair because this is stuff that could have happened when they were as young as 13. And again, these are public records that could haunt them for the rest of their lives. Pretty bad scene. Now, they call that a pilot program that would then go statewide if it's successful, though it's not clear how that would happen. Proponents of the bill say that it's focusing on these areas that have very high crime rates. It's a way of creating more transparency into the gun crimes and so on that are there. But it also, back to what we were talking about earlier, it also serves to further exert the authority of the police, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At least it's an incidental punishment that will haunt you whether you're convicted of it or not. Or, for that matter, whether you even did it or not. There's a representative, John Stefanski, who's a Republican in Louisiana, and he's no joke. Like He filed another bill to give fentanyl dealers life in prison. So this is a law and order guy. And even he said... Quote, even though these kids are accused of very bad crimes, they're still just accused. So people are definitely conflicted about whether this is a good idea. And mm-hmm. again, it all comes out of this very well-intentioned sense of, of making us more aware of what's going on in the state. And, you know, people are very concerned about crime. So it's not something that's liable to be resolved anytime soon. You know, the way that police departments are exploiting these laws. It feels like, you know, remember that those stories in China about the public billboards that the authorities would put up to effectively like shame people into doing the right thing? Oh yeah, based on your social score. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of feels like that a little bit. There's a little bit of of yeah, of behavioral engineering based mm-hmm. on 
the kind of the public opprobrium against the things that you're doing or that the state thinks you're doing. And that's a creepy thing, which is yeah. like comparing it to uh, communist China. It also feels very Catholic. It just feels very... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, like the yeah. idea of like guilt and shame and as teachers to do the right thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the people who may have just been urinating in public or yeah. something like that, like these really minor non-crime crimes, that idea that there's sort of no tolerance for any kind of deviation from yeah. from accepted behavior. And, and that even though you're not going to jail, you may not get a job and there's a sort of long tail well, of yeah. consequences that could haunt you forever in these ways that are hard to track, right? For it's like, sure. well, I, I can't prove that I didn't get this job because my bleary-eyed mugshot is online somewhere, but it can't have helped. Yeah. It also serves to further the idea of a surveillance state, too, that your data, your actions, everything is always being watched. And so all of this seems to be happening in in the spirit of forcing people to self-regulate their behavior. This is an old idea that we've brought up before. It's not unlike the concept of a panopticon mm-hmm. in prison design, which is the idea where all of your movements can always be watched in some way. So if you know that that's the case, you kind of stop doing bad things because you're aware that you're constantly being surveilled. You could have a really bad day or a really bad night or make a big mistake. And then that picture goes up on some public site. Yeah. And you're being punished not by the state, but by your peers, by fellow citizens who, like with the Chinese billboard, you're being shunned by the public. And that's terrible in a whole other way. Yeah. And shunned. You know who you know who the OG shunners, Catholic Church, baby. Catholics. They love to shun. They love to shun and excommunicate. Yeah. And so that's the negative. And it's important to remind people here that the good news about sunshine laws is that for working journalists everywhere, they yield all kinds of valuable information into how the state works and how policing works into potential malfeasance at all levels of government. And we need those laws because we need the state to be accountable for what it's doing. You need to be able to send off a Freedom of Information Act request to, you know, your state representative or to your federal representative. Say, I need this stuff. And and so with the idea that we need to keep an eye on who might be hurt by the weird, fringy aspect of this where, like, people's mugshots live online, on the other hand, it also needs to be robust enough so that a journalist who requests information can get that information in a timely manner and can get it without having to be charged, you know, $10 per photocopied page and all that kind of thing. Because once the government starts to close its doors to that sort of transparency, then we have a whole other set of problems. This is actually starting to happen right now with um, kind of the, the biggest Florida man of them all. Yes, there is no bigger Florida man than the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Ronnie D. Yeah, you can see the headlines. You know, Florida man picks fight (laughs) over Disney being too gay. Florida man takes billion dollar deal in own state for shits, comma, giggles. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) None other than Ron DeSantis is in the heart of the Sunshine State changing sunshine laws to benefit himself. And this is all happening right now. In fact, I think it was the same day as the law in Louisiana about juvenile arrest records. DeSantis signs this law that would hide records about his travel, both in the future and retroactively, the travel he has done. Now, this is significant because, of course, he's most likely going to announce a presidential run 
And as part of that, he's going to be traveling a lot to meet potential donors and partners and all of that. And he clearly wants to keep that stuff secret. And obviously that's not good because then we won't be able to see who he's going to meet. You won't necessarily be able to see the people who have interest in what he's doing. Right. The, the problem here is that the public won't have visibility into potentially big donors to his campaign. Because when, you, when you're when you able to see where a politician goes and who he meets with, then you get an idea of, you know, certain potential conflicts of interest. Exactly. So this is from Business Insider. Quote, under the new law, details about the governor's trips, whether on state planes or private chartered flights, will be redacted including names of staff and family members that travel with DeSantis. Visitor logs to the governor's mansion and his office also will be hidden. That's crazy. Yeah. So now we don't know who he's meeting with. I mean, that is a fundamental huge problem for not just Florida, but for all of us, since this is directly connected again to a potential presidential run. That's not just in the States. That means if he goes overseas to meet with people, that's all going to be hidden. And Why? What's the what's his reasoning? Why? His reasoning is that it's a security measure. Just like with Harry and Meghan, if his whereabouts are known, it makes it easier to find him and potentially do something to him. Who knows what that is? It feels like in the name of security, surveillance is always being either blocked or promoted. That's right. Yeah. It's either a mirror or a window. Mm -hmm. And whoever controls whether they're putting up a mirror or a window has a lot of power into power itself and how it's leveraged in the United States and beyond. But, you know, the point is he's going to be using taxpayer money for these trips. So that right there is a reason that it should be available. Remember, DeSantis is no dummy either. He knows how the media works. So by hiding all of these records in the past or by not making his whereabouts public presently or into the future, that also sort of limits what the media could report on. Yeah, it gives him greater control of the narrative. If he has the power of choosing what things can be revealed and what can't, it's obviously harder to criticize him. It's harder to hold him accountable, all of those things. Um, And this is part of a larger trend from the DeSantis administration, which has been slow rolling a lot of the information requests. Journalists in Florida have been talking about this for a while, that when they file an information request, you know, it'll get to one agency or another. It gets kicked up to the governor's office, and then there may be months and months that pass before it comes back. So while there's no rule in Florida about how fast an information request comes back, there is a stipulation in the Sunshine Law that says, you know, it has to be done with all available speed. There's a story on News 6 in Orlando Quote, Florida journalist Jason Garcia said in all of his years of working as a journalist, he's never seen an administration move so slowly in disclosing what lawmakers are doing on behalf of the people they were elected to serve. And here's Garcia. Quote, Ron DeSantis is claiming executive privilege as if he were a U.S. president. He's basically making the case in a number of different court cases, a number of different lawsuits going right now, that he is exempt from certain parts of public records law because of executive privilege which is not something that exists in the Florida Constitution or anywhere in the Florida statutes. You know what he's trying to do? Mm-mm. Trying to become king of Florida. He's trying to become king of Florida. Yeah, he's trying to get all the benefits of being a Prince Harry mm-hmm. and none of the negatives. <laughs> Nary a negative at all. So, yes, to exhaust a tired metaphor, sunshine laws are like sunshine itself. Ah, uh, there it is. Good also bad. Also bad. <laughs> also yeah. gives you cancer. Yeah, I'm like, how much do we want to extend this into a melanoma thing? Uh, you need it. 
You, you got to have it. Things would be awfully dark without it, and mm-hmm. you'd be bumping your knee on a lot of tables. But sometimes a bad actor, they'll take out a magnifying glass, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they will hold it over a drunken aunt yeah. who just had one too many and decided to drive home, and they will just burn that aunt with that sunshine. Yeah. When you think about Meghan and Harry, or the royals in general, mm-hmm. you think, Everything they do is scrutinized, is tracked, is photographed. They're very public figures. But you can make the argument that they're not really doing anything that's that interesting or important. So why do we bother? On the other hand, you have DeSantis, whose actions are only becoming more important to all of us as voters and citizens. And that's happening at exactly the moment that he's trying to close off access to what he's doing, where he's going, and all of that. And so for Americans, if you're looking at the full spectrum of the news media and the way we prioritize information, we're being told that the royals going uptown in New York is important. But because we won't have access to DeSantis's movements, that's going to seem like that's not relevant. Mm. And so the stuff we're fed is... Glitzy Royals out on the town. And meanwhile, DeSantis might be doing some really crazy Florida man shit yep. with law, <laughs> with our freedoms themselves. If, if he gets away with this shell game of, you know, preventing the public from understanding where he goes, you know, using public dollars. Well, that, that could be, and I'm quoting here, near catastrophic. Yeah. And to quote a famous Florida saying, that would be worse than a kitten in a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Getting his trip up. Steven, this has been Journos. I'm Brandon R. Reynolds. And I'm Steven Jackson. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. And Journos is produced by me, Brandon R. Reynolds. And if you'd like to send comments, questions, or ideas for stories, gosh, we'd love that, send us an email, journos at journos.net. We'll keep the lights on for you.